Heard on SENZ, Mark Stafford with the call, ripper of a call, ripper of a game as the Silver Ferns have beaten the Australian Diamonds by 53 goals to 50, overcoming a three-goal deficit at the end of three quarters. Uh, also calling the game, but for Sky Sport was the one, the only Mr Nigel Yolden, busy boy, fresh back from Rugby World Cup and into the chair to call a gripping uh, netball encounter. Nigel, thanks so much for stopping by again. Great to hear you. No worries and all, man. No worries. How good was that? Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, you, you talk about the three-goal deficit at the end of um, the uh, the third quarter. Look, at one point there, Australia you know, were up by six. They actually jumped out. They were leading by around about five midway through that first quarter. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, hello, the, the world champs have bloody tuned up here. But you know, New Zealand just kept hanging in there, hanging in yeah. there. They, they actually squandered Daniel so many opportunities to draw level or, or get themselves right back in the fight right throughout from the second, the third quarter, they'd get back to within a goal and then there'd be a basic error, a, a, a turnover, a lost ball, an errant pass and Australia would reassert themselves and jump out, maybe get two, three goals in a row on, on, on the back of that there. But, you know, when it comes winning time, fourth quarter, you know, the, the Ferns found their way. They got themselves back level and that got the crowd into it. Um, you, you heard it through the, the audio there um, that you heard of Snap's commentary. The place was loud, and we were all commenting on it after the game as well, just how absolutely loud and boisterous that crowd was once New Zealand got themselves back level again. Consistency has been a problem for the side over the last few months, and actually throughout the series, inside individual games. Good quarter there, poor quarter there. But as you rightly uh, point out, they hung in there. Australia start well, but I, I think there's only one goal in favour of New Zealand and Australia in quarters two and three. And then to dial it up, to actually improve your performance in the final quarter, it's got to give them huge sort of confidence moving forward. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I mean, it, obviously from a coaching point of view, it gives them the opportunity to just remind everyone, hey, look, this is what happens when we do switch off because the errors were very simple. Um, just a little bit of like loss of concentration. Like I think at one point there was a conversation between, I think it was Nweki and Maturo. They were talking with the referee as to where the, the, the shot was meant to be taken and Grace sort of just dropped the ball and kind of half tapped it and it ended up going to Maturo and that was, a, that was an offence. Um, and Or she regathered, I think it might have been replay, and that was an offence. But it was just those small, like real minor things and you didn't see a lot of those from the diamonds and so I think that's the, that'll be the real key work and as you say that consistency obviously it helps as well when you've got the aforementioned Grayson Wiki playing 60 minutes she was a, a massive difference maker as well um, but yeah I, I think it, huge confidence defending home turf again and you know the diamonds have had their troubles on this side of the Tasman winning netball tests. What combinations across the court sort of stood out for you from a New Zealand perspective? Oh, look, I, I think the fact that when the changes were made by Dame Nolan, Totoa, those combinations came on and were effective. Um, I think, you know, early on, taking um, Mila Realu Buchanan off, Whitney Sooners came on again. 
instant impact. You know, it, there was a point there where there was a bit of a struggle for Emilia Anacanasio, but they bring on Tiana Maturo, who's a different type of goal attack, and she has an impact as well. I, I thought they made some really good changes when needed to be, and they stuck with the status quo. Like, the combination of Berger and, and Jury was outstanding at the back, even though Sophie Garvin played a monster game for the Diamonds. So I think what it was is the fact that the combinations that they tried did work and were affected and had an impact on the game when the coaching staff made them. I think New Zealand shot 53 of 55 over the course of the game. Wiki 43 of 45. Vicanasio 10 of 10. Now, a lot of points should go the way of the shooters, but you've just hinted at it. That The feeding obviously was of a, of a pretty high standard yeah. to get them into spots they want. Yeah, but it was a different form of feeding as well. Like, if you looked at the circle edge numbers for Australia, a lot of their stuff was working around around the arc and getting that ball in, um, whereas New Zealand was quite happy to utilise the physical attributes and the athleticism of Grayson Wickey and put the ball up, knowing that she is able to go up and get it and against a very good defender as well in Courtney Bruce. So it was good, re- uh, you know, good recognition. I mean, it's bizarre to think that Grace is only just 21 because it feels like she's been around forever. But now, because she's had all that experience, she's a very mature 21. And I was lucky enough to be uh, in co-commentary with um, Sulu Fitzpatrick. And Sulu just talking about the way she has got so much more physically stronger um, probably helps with Sulu beating her up at practice for the last four years for for ANZ Premiership games as well. But she's tough. Not only tough physically now, she's tough mentally. She knows how to use her body. She knows where she wants the ball. She's confident in calling it. When you've got great circle edge feeders like Sunis, Gordon, um, Riyalu Buchanan, you are going to get the ball where you want it and you're going to win more of those one-on-one contests than you're going to lose when you're Grayson Wiki. James Madison's just made it 2-0 for Spurs over Fulham. Say, you're going to win the league, Nigel. Get in there. Get in there. No, we're not. Don't just... Just settle down. Just settle down. Good on you, Matters. Great work. But just pump the brakes, please. Pump the brakes, okay? Oh, I love pumping up Spurs fans. Get get the hopes up and then set or shatter. Um, Defensively, um, Kelly, judge and jury, again, three intercepts. Really impressive display. You'd expect that from her. But Karen Berger had a heck of a night, right? Yeah, 50th appearance for the Silver Ferns for Karen, and she was she was absolutely outstanding. And I think one thing that's probably been established over the course of this series is the number one defensive combination for New Zealand now is Kelly Jury and Karen Berger. Um, and I, I think they were they were really good. They were so active. It's a it's a great combination. And look, that's I'm not being disrespectful to Jane Watson, who's a heck of a player. But Kelly Jury at the moment is just an absolute career-best form and is just playing lights out. And sometimes, you know, might what I find interesting is Kelly is, look, you know, she's always in the battle through three quarters, but she just seems to make the, the big play in the final quarter of games, and she finds a way to make a couple of them. Karen Berger was outstanding. She is just... You know, just got some of the quickest feet on a netball court. She's just constantly moving, trying to change angles, trying to change look, trying to get in front of the shooter and disrupt the feeder. Um, and it's just a really good combination. And, and again, they came up big in that final quarter because, you know, look, Sophie Garbin played a wonderful game. We're sitting here talking about how good Grayson Wickey is. Sophie Garbin 
you know, more of a moving type of uh, shooter. The way she moves off the ball, the way she combines with whoever a goal attack was is outstanding. She too gets great feeds from the circle edge. Sophie Garvin played an absolutely outstanding game last night and it's kind of been forgotten a little bit given the fact that her team didn't get the didn't get the lollies. But, you know, just wonderful work and so it's like the the combination of Jury and Berger were going up against one of the best shooters in the world in world class in, in absolutely her top form and with getting some reasonable support more so from Conan than from Austin, in my opinion. So they had a they had a big night against a really good Australian shooting circle. Yeah, Dame Nolene and the team. Well, that's it for international netball this year. Uh, I'm sure Dame Nolene's thinking, hmm, where was this earlier? Uh, as the suicide sort of rounding into form. What's your gut sort of telling you about her about the possibility of Dame Nolene Toto staying on beyond the quad series early next year, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, when we know Dame Nolene, she plays things very very close to a chest yeah um i think you know maybe could 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 those two performances have been enough to maybe think oh maybe i do want to stick around um maybe there is the talent coming through because it is still you know a a reasonably young fresh team there's good talent as well lurking below if you watch the anz premiership on a regular basis you know that there is actually a little bit of depth there are some very very good players who haven't had a look in, in, this, in the in the black dress this year. Michaela Sockletts Beatson, for one, is that, that that stands out for me. She hasn't had a look in, so you know, um, and she's been playing outstanding netball throughout the last couple of years. So the talent is there, and you just wonder she'll go away. I'm sure she'll have a chat with with Eddie and, and sort of think about what how it looks for for them as a family, um, and then she'll think about how it looks for her as a coach and her career. Um, but look, yeah, as always, Dame Knowles just plays everything pretty pretty close to her chest when it comes to these sort of things, even though she's so open and giving when it comes to the game itself and talking about it from a media perspective. Put the netball down, pick up the rugby ball, Nigel Olden. The All Blacks up against the Zombok Apocalypse, um, the team that never dies. Um, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, good. A um, little bit of weather, uh, though, could be an issue in Paris. The long range yeah. forecast has a little bit of rain floating around. Um, but look, you, you talk about two teams with utter belief in what they're doing right now. Um, it's the All Blacks and the Springboks. Funnily enough, you know, you could argue as well that the two teams also who had great belief in what they were doing got bumped in the quarterfinals in Ireland and France. So, you know, look, I think a lot of people were expecting this after what happened in the quarterfinals. Um, England, I think, were always stubborn enough and disciplined enough with the way they play their game as, as, as robotic and uh, repetitive as it is, um, but look, just yeah, a very good performance by the All Blacks. Didn't have to extend themselves too much. Opportunity, you know, to get key guys off around sort of 50 minutes. Um, so yeah, I think they'll be feeling very, very good with with that heading into it. But yeah, South Africa just never say die. Finding ways to get the job done. England, did they show any template for success against? South Africa that New Zealand can, can glean and, and take from. I'm not sure the kicking away 93% position is something they'll want to replicate, but you know what else could they look to mirror? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a different form of a kicking game from New Zealand. They will be looking uh, at different sort of angles. They'll, they'll still put contestable balls up. Don't, don't worry about that. But I think it'll be in different zones. New Zealand will want to keep that ball in play. Um, yeah, I was I was fascinated. I think the the, the ball and play number was something like um, just under 32 minutes in that game, and I was surprised it was that high. But then when you think about how long it takes for a halfback to drag a ball back behind a ruck, 
shape and then kick the ball and that ball's hanging in the air. I wonder really what the the, the time, the actual ball in hand minutes would be because I don't think it would be very high. Did England show anything? Yeah, look, pressure the line-out. The Springbok line-out was very, very poor. Um, so you've got an opportunity there. Uh, we know that they're a good defensive line, but New Zealand, I think, will challenge that defensive line a little bit more. I think New Zealand will try and make South Africa play more rugby. They will try and keep it past you know, ten phases. They'll want double digit phases. Like you look at the you look at the start of the two semifinals. Argentina's first attack in two minutes went through thirteen phases. You know, the first I think thirteen minutes or fourteen minutes of that um England um South Africa game, I think there might have been, you know, fourteen phases in total. It was just like one phase kick, one phase kick, one phase kick, to a line out, one phase kick. That's what they were doing. So it, it really is cliche as it's going to be, that the evidence is right in front of you. This is going to be a massive clash of two different rugby philosophies. The New Zealand philosophy of wanting to utilise the ball, try and get it in hand, actually play the game of rugby with the ball in hand versus another philosophy, which is we're going to put all the pressure on you, we're going to kick, we're going to challenge, and we're going to strike off any small glimmer of opportunity that you, that we, that you give us. Nigel, I'm sure you're delighted to be home. I'm sure the family's happy to have you back. We're thrilled to, to hear you uh, call last night and have you join us today. Thanks so much as always, mate. No, always a pleasure, my friend. Take it easy.